And this morning, what I would like to do, Lord willing, is to, to share with you a little bit about prayer. A little bit about prayer. And the title of this morning's message is The Necessity of Prayer. The Necessity of Prayer. And um, we're going to read from James. So let's, let's take a look at James. James chapter 5. We're going to read verses 13 through 18. This is actually a little bit of a strange portion. I don't know if you ever read it. If you read it, you're probably like, what does that mean? Is that really saying what it's saying? Uh, we're not going to do an expository lesson here, message on this portion. We're going to use it perhaps in a way that maybe you hadn't thought about before. Chapter 5, verses 13 through 18, and we're going to talk about prayer. Now, you know, it talks about the sick. It talks about the people that, that are going through things, through trials. And, but I want to... I wanna, suggest to you that this portion here is talking about prayer. You might think, well, how do you know for sure? Well, in, in studying Scripture, one good uh, uh, indicator of what the theme or what the author is giving importance to is repetition. And if you take a look at verses 13 through 18 in James, James chapter 5, you're going to find the word prayer or prayed seven times in just those verses. So I think James was trying to tell us something about prayer here in this situation. There's going to be a little bit for everybody. But the necessity of prayer. My main point this morning, and, and really my hope, is that uh, our prayer life changes. Uh, not that long ago, we did a little informal survey, but I've heard it over and over, and I've seen it in my life, my entire life. Whenever somebody is asked, you know, what do you, what do you struggle most with? In your Christian life, is it, is it Bible reading? And that's certainly also one that ranks high. But we talked about that last time. Uh, you know, fellowship. Is it service to the Lord? Is it communion? Is it evangelism? We also struggle with that one. But it seems that very often what ranks way up there as far as what we lack in or what we need to improve in in our Christian walk is, is prayer. Is prayer. You know, and I want to ask you, how's your prayer life? See how quiet it got really quick? Oh, you guys have been quiet already. I'm kidding. But I could hear the, uh, could hear the fan. Uh, but how is your prayer life? Has your prayer life become a routine? Uh, is your prayer life, you know, do it in the morning, do it in the night, check it off, I'm done. You know, how, how is your prayer life? And maybe your prayer life is good, and that's wonderful. Uh, but I think most of us, if not all, I would dare say, can improve our, our prayer life. And so... That's part of my hope, that our, our prayer life improves. And we understand that prayer is a necessity for a Christian. So my main point, my main point, is that as Christians, we cannot neglect prayer and expect to enjoy our walk with God or to be effective disciples of Jesus Christ. If we neglect our prayer life, we cannot expect to, one, enjoy our walk with God, and two, we cannot expect to be effective disciples of Jesus Christ. Prayer is a necessity. And I'm reminded uh, that our Lord Jesus Christ spent a lot of time in prayer. That might seem odd to, to many of us. Why would God the Son spend so much time in prayer? I mean, He's hung out with God the Father through all eternity. What, what, he, what, what did He have to talk to Him about that He couldn't wait till He was glorified and ascended into heaven again? During his 33 years here on earth, and especially during his, uh, you know, three and a half years or so of ministry, public, public, public ministry, our Lord spent a lot of time in prayer. 
And the question is, why would he, the sinless God-man, would spend so much time in prayer? And if he did, what does that say for us? Before we read, I want to just share with you this, this awesome uh, definition that I found in a Bible dictionary that I use, Unger's Bible, Unger's, Unger's Bible Dictionary, uh, which says that prayer, listen to this, prayer is the expression of a person's dependence upon God for all things. Prayer is our expression of our dependence. It is the expression of our dependence upon God for all things. How much do we depend on God will be reflected on how much we pray. And what things we bring to God in prayer are the things that we tend to depend on God for. And the reality as a Christian, we should depend on God for everything and on everything. And thus, we should be praying about everything all the time. And that's why it's easy to say, you know, prayer is something that all of us need to improve and understand that it is a necessity. So here's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, we're going to look at prayer and take a look at all the letters in the word prayer and talk about its important aspects about prayer. Now, depending on how time works, you know, if time decides to go slow this morning, we'll go through prayer. If time flies, we might only get to pray. See what I'm saying? So we'll see. We either have six points or we'll have four points, depending on how, uh, how things go. Uh, so let's take a look at James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. I'll read it, and then we're going to go back and reference it throughout the message. But it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him, what? Pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Now, if anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them what? Pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the what? The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. You know what this portion is talking about? Prayer. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we come to you in prayer thanking you for all your blessings and recognizing that prayer is a necessity, Father, and we pray for forgiveness because I think if we are all honest, we can recognize that we have not depended upon you for all things, and we certainly have, it hasn't been expressed through our prayer life. And so we ask for forgiveness, but this morning, Father, we pray that you would encourage us as we seek your word and seek your will, that we would realize that, that we need to spend time in prayer and have that fellowship with you and, and share with you and hear from you. Um, so I thank you for everybody who's here, and I ask that you would, uh, through your Holy Spirit, just move through us and in us, enlighten us, and change us, Father, to be more like your Son. Ultimately, for your honor and glory, we pray in Jesus' wonderful and mighty name. Amen. All right. So the necessity of prayer. How is your prayer life? Uh, and how are you doing? And I really, I really hope that this message, by the end, by the time we're done, that we would be different when it comes to prayer. 
And I think most of us have been walking with the Lord long enough. You can probably look back at your life and see that you were closer to the Lord when you spent time in prayer. And then you can probably also see that the most, most of the time when you spent a lot of time in prayer was probably when you were in one of these situations like we just read in James. Maybe when you were sick. Right? Maybe about five, six years ago, I went through a little episode in my life where something was going on with me. I wasn't quite sure what it was. The doctor said something, but I didn't believe him. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, for months. And I remember feeling like there isn't much else I can do, uh, you know, physically speaking. And I remember spending a lot of time in prayer. And, and humbly, with the right attitude, not just a check off, you know. Uh, so keep, keep that in mind. Think about the times that you've been closer to God, and it's probably when you spend most time in prayer. And you probably spend most time in prayer when you were going through either illness or something was wrong or uh, there was a great need. And the trick here is to recognize that we're always in need of God. That's the trick. Not way to, you know, and we all fall into this. We get into these little grooves, little... You know, we want to put things in autopilot and, and we stop praying and stop feeling like we're depending on God. Maybe finances are good, relationships are good, and health is okay. And, and we almost automatically just put our prayer life into cruise control. And what happens when things are okay? We need to stay in prayer because we need God all the time. So here we go. Uh, the first word that we want to look at, the first word that we want to look at is, is for the letter P for prayer. And that is power, beloved. We need to realize that prayer is a necessity because there is power in prayer. There's power in prayer. I know a while back I was reading this uh, article in a secular magazine, and they were talking about how, you know, does prayer even work? Because they did this survey at a hospital where people were sick, and they found out that, hey, people that prayed, about 50% of the people got better and 50% didn't. And the people that didn't believe in God didn't pray. About 50% of the people got better, and 50% didn't, more or less. So they were saying, see, prayer doesn't even work. I mean, whether you pray or not, things happen anyway. If we have that attitude, beloved, that's why we don't pray. Well, things are going to happen anyway. Why pray? If God knows everything, why pray? Ask yourselves if you really believe that there is power in prayer. Is there power in prayer? Or is God going to do anything anyway? So why might as well? Why pray anyway? Let me share a couple of things with you. Because there is power in prayer. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Jesus is speaking. He says, Ask, and you will receive. Knock, and it will be open. Seek, and you will find. But he says, Ask. The Lord Jesus Christ said, Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. But what happens if you don't ask, says James. chapter. Uh, James talks about how we don't have because we don't ask. And then when we ask, we ask all wrong and we don't receive anything. Beloved, there's power in prayer. If you don't believe that there's power in prayer, you're not going to pray. We're not going to pray. You have to believe that there is power in prayer. That God hears us and that God is moved. Now, how does that work? You won't, I don't think you'll hear anytime soon. You won't hear me preaching on how does that work. 
you know, how does prayer work exactly? I mean, you know, God's sovereign and he knows everything, but you pray and something happens? That's above my pay scale for right now. Maybe in 30, 40, 50, I probably will never try to explain that. We'll, we'll get into it. How does that work? I don't know. Why would the sovereign God of the universe, who is unlimited in power, want us to pray and ask in order that we would receive? For right now, we'll say, I don't know how that works, but I believe and trust that the Bible says, ask and you will receive. And you don't have because you don't ask. There is power in prayer, beloved. And right here, James 5, 17, it says that, it says that Elijah, you've got to go back to the Old Testament and see this, but Elijah was a man with nature like ours, meaning he wasn't anything special. Humanly speaking, he was just like you and I. He had a special relationship with God, and that's what made him special. But physically, humanly speaking, he was just like you and I. He says he was just like you and I, but he prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain. I mean, think about this. You're asking God to hold the rain? You're going to tell me there's no power in prayer? And what happened? It didn't rain for three and a half years. God heard his prayer, and he held rain for three and a half years. And then it says that he prayed again. And when he prayed the second time, it rained as he asked God. Beloved, there is power in prayer. If there wasn't power in prayer, why would God say, pray? Why would Paul say, pray without ceasing? Why would Paul say, pray for me? Pray for one another if there isn't power. There is power in prayer. There's going to be a quiz after this, so make sure you're writing things down and don't forget The P for prayer stands for power. Power. The second word, or, or, you know, understanding that there's power in prayer, you know, the question becomes, well, so how much should we pray? And the answer would be, well, how much of God's power do you want to see in your life? I mean, if if we're going around moping and growing, you know, I don't know God, I don't know where God is right now. He's absent in my life, and I haven't heard from God in I don't know how long, and I don't know. This Christian life's getting a little boring. And are you praying? Are you not seeing God's power in your life? If there's power in prayer, beloved, let's get praying. Let's see God's power at work. I want to see God's power in my life. I want to see God working in my life and His power manifested in my weakness. That's what brings me most joy, to see God working, not because of me, but despite of me. That brings me joy, that encourages me, knowing that God's power is in us and working through us, through His Holy Spirit. And to know that prayer unleashes that power or taps into that power is amazing. All right, power. The R for prayer stands for recognition, beloved. Prayer is about recognition, about recognizing our dependence on God. Why pray? So that you can remember that you depend on God. Sometimes we think, though power, there's power in prayer, sometimes we think that our prayer is to change God's attitude towards the situation. It's not, beloved. Prayer is much more about God changing our heart towards Him and towards other people. We pray not to change God's mind. We pray to change ourselves. And we change ourselves by recognizing that we depend on God. I wanted to use, I want to use Luke chapter 11, verses uh, 2 through 4. 
It's known as the Lord's Prayer. You know, the, the uh, disciples of our Lord come to him one day after they see John teaching his disciples to pray, and they come to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, we see that John is teaching his disciples to pray. Why don't you teach us to pray? And the Lord says, yeah, of course. Pray like this. Verse 1 says, Now it came to pass, as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, that he stopped. Uh, sorry, when he, when he seized, that none of his disciples, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And here's the, the recognition of dependence. He says, Give us day by day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Meaning, God, I depend on you even for the most basic of things that I need to survive, and that is bread, that is food. I know most of you, as do I and my family, we've become accustomed to praying for our food. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. But I seriously, beloved, cannot remember the last time, if ever, in fact, I can tell you that I've never had to pray, Lord, please give me some food today. Why? We live in America. And even the time I lived in Mexico, I never went hungry, beloved, by His grace. There are people that go hungry. And, and now, I mean, it'll be really difficult for a person here to go hungry because there's so much food. Right? One, of the, one of the things that are known about us in the United States by other people in the world, especially third world countries, is how much food we waste. Tons and tons of good food are wasted every day here in the United States. So maybe we don't pray, give us this day our daily bread, because most of us, and I would dare say all of us, have food to eat. But the point is our dependence on Him. Because if you really think about it, why do you have food to eat? Is it because you work really hard and you bring home the bacon? And if that's the case... Who gives you the energy to go work? Who got you that job? Who gave you the, the, the wits, the intelligence, the smarts to get that job, to maintain that job? You know, the health to be able to go to work. Who, who gave you all that? If not God. Recognize that even our bread that we have, though we don't go hungry and though in this country we don't have a, a need per se in the now for food, we don't have to worry about food. You know what we worry about? I know you don't. I have to worry about whether I'm going to have Panda Express or I'm going to have pizza. <laughs> or maybe In-N-Out. I know this doesn't happen to you, especially if you have young kids, but I know you guys never argue about where you're going to go eat. You know, today we're going to have some Japanese food. What? One pizza. No, 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 pizza. And then even if we agree with pizza, it's which pizza we're going to eat. I want some of that pizza. No, that one's disgusting. What's not disgusting? It's good food. It's pizza. What's wrong with you? I mean, we're far removed from this idea that we depend on God for a meal. But reality is that we depend on God for every meal we eat. 
There's people that can't eat, even if they wanted to eat, because they're ill, they're sick. Something's going on. And they wish they could eat, and they can't. What I'm saying is, let's not wait till we're in that position to recognize that we're de- fully dependent on God, even for our bread. You know, Pastor Sal used to say that sometimes people don't look up to heaven until they're flat on their back in a bed. Then we look, beloved, don't do that. Let's not do that. Let's not wait until we're there to be, realize that we're fully dependent on God, even for our food. We're going to have a barbecue tonight. You better eat all your food, all right? We're going to have some people standing by the, uh, by the trash cans making sure you finish all that food. And if not, you go back to your seat. You can't go play volleyball till you're done eating because we've got to realize everything that we eat is a gift from God and we depend on Him and solely on Him. Where does even food come from, right? I don't want to overwork this point, but where does food even come from? It comes from the ground. And then how do we get burgers? Have you ever wondered, like, you go to a meat store and there's all this meat all over the place, and then you go to the next one and there's all kinds of meat there, and you go to the taco stand, they got all kinds of meat, and there's meat all over the place. In Noah's Ark, you know how many cows went into the ark? Well, you know, a, a pair of male and, and, and female. And out of that, any idea how many, how many cows are out there and how, many, how much beef roams around? Out of those two, how, who did that? God did that. Next time you have your filet mignon, you got to realize God did that. God made that. Or your burrito car. I'm sorry, I'm probably making everybody hungry here. But the point is this, beloved. Not only is there power in prayer, and we, but we need to recognize our dependence on God. And when Jesus said pray like this, he even mentioned bread. Because even the bread that you eat comes from God. And only from God. Whether you have a lot or you have a little. It's all His. We also depend on him, verse 4 in Luke 11. He says, And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. So we depend on him, beloved, for the most important thing, and that is the forgiveness of our sins. The forgiveness of our sins. We depend only on him and his sacrifice on the cross for our forgiveness. If not for Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for our sins, you and I would have zero chance of being forgiven of any of our sins. So even our sins, which are the most important thing that needs to be taken care of, we fully depend on God for that. Past, present, and future sins. All taken care of by Jesus at the cross. And we need to understand that we depend on Him for that. And deliverance. You know, I have to say... That, uh, I mean, I've known this prayer and, and this model prayer or this instruction of the Lord to his disciples about prayer. And maybe the last two years, I, this has just been standing out to me. It says, and, lead, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, from evil. We depend on God for deliverance, for protection. And maybe we think, if you're a little bit like me, you know, 
God is so good, and he is. And every day I pray for protection. I pray for guidance. I pray for protection in every sense, not just physical, but spiritual, from attacks, from, from, you know, from temptations. And sometimes we kind of miss that and forget that our deliverance depends solely on him. That we, are, we don't go through more temptations or more trials only because of him. And we need to de- learn to depend on that for him. I mean, I think about who knows what goes on in the spiritual realm. Of how many attacks God has protected us from. Of how many bad influences, accidents, you name it. God has been there. And if we're not careful, we're not going to realize that. We're just going to think, hey, life is good right now. Things are good. You know, I'm a safe driver. I get the mercury discount every year. Well, good. Be a safe, defensive driver. But even your driving depends on your safety out on the road. depends solely on God. You know, every once in a while you're watching TV and they show these ugly, impactful, shocking accidents. That could be you. That could be me. Anytime you get on the road, you don't even have to be on the road. Every once in a while, they show a car that went through a house. I'm like, why did that happen? You know, when's the last time you're having dinner, you're worried about, you know, hey, son, why don't you sit on that side better? <laughs> Away from the window, I meant. I meant. Uh, let's switch. What? We don't worry about that stuff. But why? And I'm not saying we have to be panicky and worried about everything, but we should recognize that even our safety, both physical and spiritual, depends on God. We should be grateful individuals, grateful individuals. So recognition, power, recognition of our dependence, and gratitude should be, our, should be in our heart, constantly grateful. Not that life's going to be perfect, not that you're never going to get in an accident, not that... You know, tragedy is not ever going to strike. But knowing that things could always be worse. Our pastor Sal, again, he used to say that life is like a hospital. No matter how bad you are, you could always find somebody worse off than you. And you're feeling bad until you see somebody that has it much worse. And you hopefully look to God and say, thank you. Because things could be worse. All right. P for power. R for recognition. Um, and, and, and one last thing on recognition, which is out of John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, and that is a portion where Lord Jesus Christ said, hey, I am the, the, the vine, and you are the branches. And without me, he basically says, without me, listen to this, without me, you can do nothing. You believe that? Without me, you can do nothing. That means every single thing that we're able to do, it's only by God's grace, and we depend on Him fully. And I know I don't recognize that, but I hope that the rest of my life is uh, facing that direction where I, I learn to more and more recognize that everything that I'm able to do is only because of God's grace. Everything that I have is only because of God. Everything that I am and been able to experience and enjoy is only because of God. Everything, beloved. Everything. The letter A for prayer stands for adoration. I want to spend some time on this one. 
adoration. To praise God, to recognize who he is, to worship God. Prayer, beloved, cannot be all about asking him for stuff. And in fact, I have a couple of recommendations and homework assignments for you. Next time you pray, and, and here in, in Luke chapter 11, verse 2, it says, So he said to them, when you pray, say. And the first thing that he says says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know what hallowed means? It means holified. Holy be your name. Hallowed be thy name. Your name is holy. And my prayer is that your name, Father, will be hallowed, recognized, put in its right position, worshipped. So adoration is a very important aspect about prayer. And I know that it, 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 it's take, I say this, it's taken me a while to recognize that. And I've tried to incorporate that much more in my prayer, where before I start even thanking him, before I even start certainly asking for things, I spend some time in adoration. And that might look different for everybody. But I like to spend time, before I get to anything else, just recognizing who He is for me. And not that long ago, this is what I want to give you guys, is, uh, you know, I, I spend time just recognizing who He is. God, you're, you're wonderful, and you're, you're gracious, and you're loving, you're forgiving, and just thanking Him for that. And that, I think that really has changed my heart, and it has changed my prayer life. Just spending more time in adoration, just recognizing and telling Him who I believe He is. And so here's my assignment. I did this just kind of spontaneously, and, and I started... This might seem kind of infantile, and maybe it is, but do it anyway. I took the alphabet, and for every letter of the alphabet, I told him something that he is to me. So, he's awesome, and he's beautiful. He's compassionate. He's a deliverer. I can't tell you the rest, because then you're not going to do anything when you get home, right? But, beloved, spend some time doing that, and watch what God does in your heart. What is he to you? And go down the alphabet. Let me know what you do for X. <laughs> I could. <laughs> Just spend some time telling him who he is. Not that he needs to hear it. Not that he doesn't know. But do you know who he is? Do you know what he is to you? I really hope you take me up on that. Uh, here Lucas says, hallowed be thy name. How are you going to, to express the fact that God is holy? One of the ways is certain through your life, but through your words. Through your words. Adoration. There is power in prayer, beloved. It demands for us to recognize our dependence on him. Spend some time in adoration. Just realize that when you have this entrance into God's holy throne, some serious stuff. It's a privilege, but you're, you're in the presence of the almighty, eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful God who is holy, 
holy, holy. Why wouldn't we spend some time in adoration, just worshiping him and just pouring out your heart and recognizing who he is? All right. I'm sure that's going to please him, but I know it's going to change you. It's going to change you. Prayer. The why is for yielding. To yield is to stop. In this case, I'm using it as a surrender, recognizing that somebody else has the right of way, right? If you're driving, if you're a driver, you're driving and every once in a while, there may not be a stop sign, but there may be a yield sign. You know what that means? I know some of you guys are studying for your test. The yield sign means you're driving. Maybe you get to an intersection and it says yield. That means if somebody else is coming, you stop and wait for them. And once it's clear, then you go. Meaning you're not number one here. You're not the most important. You don't have the right of way. Somebody else is coming and they have the right of way. Well, prayer has a lot to do with yielding, surrender, surrendering to God. Just putting your hands up and saying, I can't do this. I don't have the power to do this. I don't have the strength to do this. I don't have the wits to do this. I don't have the money to do this. I don't have the patience to do this. I don't have whatever it is that I need to do this. I can't. Father, you take over. I'm done. You're the powerful one. You're the all-wise you're the one to whom, for whom nothing is impossible. So yielding, beloved. Prayer is much about yielding. And here in Luke 11, we find that. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then he says, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every time I read that, I can't help but remember Mercy Me. They have a song, and it says... Uh, is it blink of an eye? doesn't matter. It's, it's, the song says, How can I further your kingdom, Lord, when I'm so caught up in mine? See, when we get caught up in our kingdom, we're not yielding. We're taking over. We think we have the right of way. We have the power. We have the right. And God says, No, you don't. I do. And prayer, in part, is for you to learn to yield to me, to surrender to me, and let me take over. And watch my power at work and my strength be perfected in your weakness, like Paul says. Yielding. To be able to say, Father, th- I mean, these are, these are strong words. That we would pray, your will be done on this earth. And I'm referencing Pastor Sal a lot, my former pastor, but Pastor Sal used to say, um, you know, your will be done. And then he would ask us this very convicting question every time. And he would get me every time. He would say, is your life reflecting God's will? Or is it just, your will be done on earth, but not in my life, you know. Well, you're on earth. We're part of earth. And so if his will is going to be done on earth, it has to start right here with the man in the mirror. And are we really willing to yield to God's will being done in my life? That's a tough question, right? I mean, we could, we could spend some time thinking about this, but what aspect of your life, and maybe percentages, 
What percent of your life is, is, is your will being done versus God's will being done? You, know, you might think like, well, when I'm in church, it's 80% God and 20% mine. And, and that's as good as it gets right there because once we leave church, it might be like downhill from there. 50-50? 90-10? Is it ever all your will and zero God's will be, being done in your life? We need to get serious about that. And prayer helps you with that. It reminds you that we need to yield to God's power. We need to yield to God's wisdom. And we need to yield to God's sovereignty and His purposes. And there's a conflict as Christians. You know, your will be done, God. And, and then we go off and do our will. We're busy doing our will. Prayer will help you with that. Um, Psalms 46 is a wonderful psalm. I kind of was reminded of this not that long ago. I want to read that to you when it talks about yielding. And we're probably going to have to just mention the last two. So I want to read Psalms 46 to you. Psalms 46 says, as we keep in mind, yielding to God. He says, God is our refuge and strength. Not us. God is a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just as the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolation in the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in fire. Listen to verse 10. Yield, be still, and know that I am God. Be still. Yield. Stop fighting. Stop wanting to take first place. Be still. And when you do, you will know that He is God. I, says God, will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. If we don't learn to yield, beloved... We're always going to be in conflict with God, fighting with God. Why, God? Why doesn't God do this? Why doesn't God do that? And how come this didn't happen? Why couldn't these things be different? Stop fighting and yield. And when you yield and you are still, you will know that He is God. Even if the mountains tremble and the mountains are thrown into the raging sea and all this stuff is happening, He says, Stop fighting and yield 
let the more important one go through in front of you. And you will know that he is God. And he will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted in the earth. He's the important one, beloved. He is the important one. He is the one that matters. And yet, he chooses to care for us. And the things that matter to you somehow matter to him. And he says that he works all things together for good. You know what that means? That means that he's aware of every situation in your life. If he's going to take everything and work it out for good, that means there isn't one thing that escapes him. Be still and know that I am God. And I know some of you guys can relate to that. You know, it's not till he makes us still by some kind of divine intervention. Sometimes we fight it so much that he has to do something to come in and say, hey, I'm trying to tell you to be still, but you don't want to, so here, take that. And he's like, oh, okay. I'll be still now. <laughs> now that you have no choice. Beloved, there is power in prayer. Prayer is about recognizing our dependence on him and, and showing that gratitude because we realize how awesome he is. Uh, an important part of prayer is adoration and yielding. Yielding in prayer recognizes. He already knows what you're going to say. He wants you to recognize your need. He wants you to recognize your total and utter dependence on Him. He wants you to be still so that He can manifest Himself in your life. The last two points, I'm just going to mention them. For prayer, the E and the R, the E is for entrusting. Talking about praying with faith, trusting God. In James 1, verses 6 through 8, he's talking about wisdom. And he says, hey, if anybody lacks wisdom, ask of God for that wisdom. But when you ask, ask in faith. He says, don't doubt. Because if you doubt, don't expect to receive anything. Beloved, when we pray, be at ease. He's heard you. He knows you. He understands you. He feels your pain. But... Once you pray, just leave it up to God. I hope you've experienced that. You go into prayer feeling stressed and upset and angry and all these things, and you spend some time in prayer, and the situation hasn't gotten fixed, but in your heart, your heart has changed. That, that burden has been removed. Why? Because you realize that you've done the most important thing already, and you've brought that over in prayer to the Lord. You've yielded, and you've understood, and you've recognized that. Without him, you can do nothing. And now it's, now it's his problem. Now it's his issue. And you're going to trust him. And lastly, resting. The R is for rest. Resting. Peace. Man, this world needs peace. Man, the church needs peace. In fact, you need peace. We all need peace. We all need peace. We stress about so many things. We're angry about so much stuff. What if this happens? And what's going to happen there and next month? What are we going to do then? And where's the peace? Where's the rest? 
Beloved, he already knows. And he's already seen the end result of whatever it is that you're going through. He's already there. Be at peace. He says, my peace I give you, not like the type of peace that the world gives, but the kind of peace that Paul talks about, and I love this, that surpasses all understanding. What a testimony to other people when you're able to express this peace because you're fully depending on God. And it surpasses all understanding. It surpasses your understanding because you can't understand why you're so peaceful during this you know, time of trial and tribulation. But other people are amazed by it. Boy, I would be freaking out right now. How can you possibly be okay with that? Why aren't you panicking? Well, how come you... And then you have the opportunity to say, hey, because I'm not in control. Because God is in control. And I'm learning to yield to God. Because He's the one that can do all things. All right. So, prayer, power, recognition, adoration, yielding and trusting and resting, beloved. You gotta learn to rest. If you don't rest, you're not trusting, beloved. I don't think there's any other way of putting that. If you don't have peace, your faith is something's going on. Something's going on. It's not right. So, here's my homework. Prayer life. I want to give you something super practical besides the ABCs. All right, super practical. If you haven't tried these things, I would really encourage you to try these things. Doesn't matter how you pray. I don't know. Does it? Oh, I don't have to kneel to show respect. You probably don't. He knows your heart. But how do you know what's in your heart? Anyway, so here's, here's four things that I want to suggest to you, beloved, in regards to prayer. Pray often. Pray often. I mean, Paul says it. Pray without ceasing. That means don't stop praying. Continual prayer. So pray often and in during unusual times. Not just in the morning, not just at night, not just before a meal, but... Every once in a while, stop what you're doing. Go to a special place and pray. If you're at home, maybe your bedroom, next to your bed, you know, you turn off the TV and go pray. Something happens with your family, stop everything, go pray. That's one. Two, pray aloud. Pray aloud. Talk to God. Well, he could hear my heart. Yes, he can. But this is more for you, not for him. Try praying out loud, beloved. When you're praising and you're going through the ABCs, say it out loud. Let people hear and let whoever else is hearing hear it. You're praising God and you're showing adoration and worshiping him. And then what I told you, adore him, give thanks, express that. Spend time in worship through your words and prayer. And last, fourth, pray on your knees. 
Do we have to? No, you don't have to. You don't have to do anything. But try it if you haven't. Pray on your knees. And if you say like, wow, you know, all those years I played catcher for the minor leagues. My knees are bad. Even better. If I go to my knees and can't get up, Mike. Yeah. Have something ready. You know? Get a little pulley with a rope and just tie yourself. I don't know what you're going to do. Say, hey, wife, in about 10 minutes, I'm going to need you to go to the bedroom and pick me up. All right, you ready? All right. (laughs) When you hear the timer go off, go get me because I'm going to be on my knees. I won't be able to get up. Get on your knees. Throw yourself on the floor. Try that. Point is, prayer, beloved, is a necessity. And if you're tired of or you recognize that prayer is something that you're lacking in, then do something different. Right? It's crazy to keep doing whatever you've been doing, expect different results. Try something different. I just gave you some points. Maybe if you are doing all these, try something different. But pray often. Unusual times. Pray aloud. Spend time worshiping Him through your words and who He is. And spend some time on your knees. And, uh, and let God work in your life. Let God work in your life. Prayer is the expression of your, your dependence upon God for all things. So how is your prayer life? And are you willing to make some changes to make your prayer life better? I'll leave you with that. Let's go ahead and pray. <clears throat> Gracious Father, we are so grateful to you for all your blessings. Father, we recognize that you're amazing, that you're wonderful. We thank you for your grace, for your love, for your forgiveness, for your patience, for your kindness. We recognize that you are holy, holy, holy. That you are the eternal God. That you're all-powerful. That you're everywhere. That you know all things. That there is none like you. You deserve all the glory and all the honor. Father, thank you for this privilege of prayer. Help us to recognize its necessity in our lives, that we may walk closer with you, that we would enjoy our walk with you, and that we would be effective disciples of our Lord Jesus, that you would use us, transform us, and that other people will be blessed by our lives and what you're doing through us. I thank you so much for our congregation and all the things that are going on here only by your grace and your your strength. Uh, We recognize our dependence on you. We realize that nothing that we do here would be possible aside from you. So, Father, we thank you, and we just ask for your blessing as we dismiss, and we pray that you would help us with our prayer life. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and our loving Savior. Amen.